It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, John McDermott. Hello, everybody. And Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about X-Wing. We are back with, uh, what are we talking about this week, guys? Points? Did the points come out? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Tim, you know, we, you know we, we don't have any points. Uh, but we do, you know, of course, have a great conclusion to our essential ship types segment. Finishing off strong with our elite fighters. Not many in here, but they are all pretty elite and awesome. This will cap off our series. We've already talked about the other six ship types, heavy fighters, light fighters, utility ships, battleships, interceptors, and ordnance carriers. So closing out this series, it's going to feel good. This is probably the longest series i think we've done in podcast history first or second edition yes i don't know i've only been on for a year so i can't confirm uh the upgrade types was a pretty long one i don't know if we finished that one though yeah i feel like that one ended midway through uh or just at the end of first edition so i don't know if we capped that off but yeah, so it feels good. We're going to close this out here. Not that many ships to talk about here, but they're all more exceptional and different from each other, um, which this category is like a category of individual categories. So a lot different than the other stuff we've talked about. I mean, I think there's some broad specifications that apply to all of them, but let's not spoil that here, right? Yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, so uh, let's get into it and start with some of the overall characteristics of the Elite Fighter category. All right, so these ships do have uh, some things in common with one another. And like a lot of it, I think, comes down to you're, you're investing a lot in these ships, so there are certain things you expect when you put a lot of points into an individual, into like a single fighter. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is something we should just start off the bat with. You know, Elite Fighters are pretty pricey, uh, generally uh, more expensive than any... A heavy fighter or interceptor, which are usually their best comparisons. And while all these fighters are small or maybe medium base, um, a lot of times their point totals might compete with even some large base ships, uh, which typically we think about being quite a bit more expensive than standard fighters. Um, sometimes they're actually even more expensive than some you know, pretty decently bulky large base ships. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely cross the 100-point threshold here with some of these elite fighters. What's nice about the Elite Fighter, too, is like because they have that edge over the other ship types is, yeah, they're expensive, but you don't necessarily need to dump a bunch of points into them to make them better. They're already pretty good at their base value. Yeah, you get a lot of features thrown in. Um, generally speaking, with Elite Fighters, one thing you're going to see in common across all of them is you're going to have a really high offensive output. Uh, all these ships are going to have a baseline of three attack dice, and they're going to have access, to, a lot of them, to secondary weapon options. And you you would expect that, you know, when you're paying, uh, you know, 50, 60 plus points uh, to get these ships, you're going to expect them to have a high damage output because they really do need to. I mean, that's at the end of the day, you need to put damage out. And if you're going to put that many points into a single ship, it needs to be able to put out some damage. And of course, paired with that high offensive output, most of these ships also have pretty good agility. Um, you see most of the ships across the board on this list have three agility, uh, except for one, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, they also have kind of a mid to high hit point count. So you'll see a range here 
of five to eight hit points with anywhere from one to four shields. Yeah, I think this survivability, you know, high hit point count plus, you know, super high agility, three agility basically across the board, you know, means these ships are very survivable. And that's, I think, one of the defining factors of what makes an elite fighter, you know, what bumps you up from heavy fighter or interceptor is this really increased survivability. Um, That's one of the things that really pushes a ship into this elite fighter status. And that's great because these are expensive ships. You know, you want to be able to protect your points investments. Um, And they're great ships to put even more upgrades on because they are so survivable. You know, this ship can last the whole game. And it's cool to see that survivability um, kind of spread out across all the different things that could make a ship survivable. So, like, in the case of battleships, those are usually survivable by their high hit point count. Or in some of the interceptor types, those are more survivable because of their higher agility, but they have lower hit points. Here, you see them do pretty good in all categories. They tend to have higher hit points. They tend to have higher agility. And they also tend to have very good dials so that they can just avoid shots altogether. Yeah, this is probably the second highest category for maneuverability. Uh, definitely, you know, interceptors are king there. Um, but elite fighters, I think, come in at second. You know, they have pretty good dials, not necessarily as much blues as interceptors, um, but usually a lot of options, uh, plus um, abilities, you know, linked actions with repositioning. And even um, a lot of times we have, you know, ship chassis abilities that give them even more uh, repositioning options. So these elite fighters, you know, they're tanky, they can withstand a lot of fire, um, and they can move around the table uh, pretty well. The thing that makes the elite fighters so distinct from the other ship types is that, and this is kind of an individual factor of each different elite fighter as well, they tend to do things that no other ships in the game can do, and usually that thing is a pretty exceptional or cool ability that that ship can have. Right, and that's really, yeah, what makes this category uh, pretty exciting because, you know, just being more survivable than an interceptor or heavy fighter, you know, it's like, okay, like, is that, are they just a better heavy fighter? But I, it's this, these rare kind of abilities that are unique to each ship that makes these all really cool, really unique pieces on the table, um, and they don't really fit in that heavy fighter or interceptor category, um, I think, a lot due to these, you know, special factors that uh, each of these ships has. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I mean, if you really want to break it down, what makes an elite fighter an elite fighter is really those two things. It's, it's the first couple things we talked about, which is they tend to excel in all categories. So many other ship types will excel in certain areas, and then they'll be deficient in others. And you see that kind of balance built into them. Interceptors don't have a lot of hit points, but they're very agile. Uh, heavy fighters can do decent damage output, but um, they don't tend to have a whole lot of agility. So there'll be balancing factors, whereas an elite fighter doesn't really have those weaknesses because you're paying so many points for them. They're just generally okay to good in every category. So that's part one. And then part two is that special factor where there's something about them that really sets them apart from other ships. Yeah, I think you put that a lot more succinctly than I did. <laughs> I was kind of rambling there. You did great, Carson. You're doing great. It's fine. We can move on. Let's just jump <laughs> into some actual ships. Yeah, so for the uh, breakdown here, this one's a little different than what we've done in other episodes of this series. So normally when we, we look at the ships uh, from this ship type in each faction and talk about how the faction identity 
um, shapes how that ship looks in its faction. So, you know, when we look at heavy fighters, we see how X-Wings and B-Wings uh, represent rebel characteristics. And then we look over on the scum side, how their heavy fighters represent the scum villainy thing. Since elite fighters um, kind of have the same overlapping traits across the board, their special factor actually just varies pretty wildly. It's not really dependent on factions. So for this one, we're actually not going to be looking so much at faction identity affecting these ships. Well, and the other thing is, you know, there's not that many elite fighters, so it doesn't really speak too much to what the factions are. Um, I mean, we can look at the Resistance, the Republic, and Separatists, and, you know, there's really not a great reason they don't have an elite fighter, but they don't. Um, And so, like, that, you know, if half the factions don't have access to these ships, like, that doesn't really feel like part of faction design. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get elite fighters in those categories, too. It just takes time, and those are uh, Resistance, Republican, Separatists are all newer factions to the game, too. So they already don't have a huge pool of ships to pull from. And since there's not really a succinct way to kind of relate faction identity to the elite fighters, um, there's not really then, you know, kind of the quintessential elite fighter because they all operate so differently from each other. But yeah, I think with that said, we should start with the uh, essential faction, the Imperial faction. (laughs) Sure, sure. Which, in my opinion, has two of the coolest elite fighters. Yeah, you guys get two, and the Resistance doesn't get anything. It's really cool. (laughs) Doesn't seem Um, fair. But, I mean, the TIE Defender, that's, that's one where, like, I felt we needed to create this category. I mean, this ship, you know, could be a heavy fighter. It's just an amazing jouster. But it's so much more than that, right? Yeah, I remember when we were breaking down this series, we we came up with the first six categories pretty easily. And I I remember the TIE Defender, like you're saying, was specifically a roadblock for us because it did not fall. it, It started to feel like a heavy fighter, but there was just something different about it. All right, well, so let's break that down. What is so different about that TIE Defender? Uh, obviously, you know, the one thing it can do that no other ship really can do is that white K turn. That's huge, right? You know, the ability to flip around, still get your actions. Yeah, the ship's great. It's got one, it's got a whole bunch of just white actions to choose from. Um, it's got basically everything you would want. And then, you know, you get that free evade with the full throttle ship ability, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and we've seen um, Full Throttle also appears on the uh, Naboo, Royal Naboo Starfighter. It it feels very different on the TIE Defender, honestly, um, because like on the N1, it feels a lot more as trying to compensate for the just two agility dice on that ship, where here with three agility dice, it feels oppressive because sometimes you can shoot at these things and they just never take damage if they have a Full Throttle Evade and a Focus Token. Uh, the word you're looking for, Tim, is powerful. That <laughs> evade with three agility, you know, you can take a focus action and have double modded green dice. That's, that's power right there. Do it every turn, even when you flip around. Yeah, and having that white 4K and the full throttle ability, too, is so interesting because I was playing a game with Ryan Creech a couple weeks ago. A little shout out to him. Kansas Jones. And he made the comment to me, um, he made the comment to me that you know, pretty much any turn of the game, uh, the Defender is probably the most predictable ship in the game of X-Wing in terms of, you know, what speed or what maneuver it's going to do, whether it be a three-speed or that four-white K. Um, But because of that full throttle ability, 
and it's you know survivability with the four shields there's almost never anything you can do about it you could put all your arcs on it you can try to block it um but there's very few scenarios where like the defender's not going to come out on top in some way well, and even that on its own is a mind game where when you know what a ship's going to do generally, usually that's an advantage. And it's just like it's trying to set that up. You don't really overcome a TIE Defender through skilled play. You usually just overcome it through willpower. You know, you just have to like not get worn down from repeated turns of doing nothing to it. Right. It's either, you know, fire everything at that ship or just try and ignore it and get everything else. Um, those are kind of the two options you have when you're playing against a TIE Defender. Uh, one of the things I personally like to do when playing a defender is include that advanced sensors upgrade. This is particularly for that predictability that you mentioned there, John, um, because, you know, that 4K maneuver is so good. But, you know, sometimes that can get blocked. Um, or, you know, there's the spot isn't quite there for it to land. Uh, but an advanced sensors boost or barrel roll and then doing the 4K... Uh, that's great. That's just unlimited power right there. It's super good. And for those turns where you know that you're going to be in a position where you don't necessarily need the benefit of full throttle, because you won't get that evade if you use advanced sensors, like there's so many different places you could be doing that advanced sensors booster barrel roll. And then, you know, three hard, three bank, 4k, whatever it is you want to do. Um, it's just, it's super good. But of course you are making this expensive ship even more expensive when you do do that, but yeah. it's great. And I don't think this is inherently like a quality of it being an elite fighter, but I think is the TIE Defender the only ship in the game of X-Wing that has natively more shields than hull without upgrades? Um, Not wanting to do the research myself, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, that's true. My gut says yes. Which like is super cool because you basically have to strip all of the shields on this ship before it's at half points. So, like, that just makes the defender a little more squirrely, too. Like, if it gets down to, you know, one shield left, like, you're probably, you know, never going to touch that defender again. Well, and just having so many shields, too, not being scared of a crit coming in and crippling you early on in the game is really meaningful because you can just basically rely for the first part of that ship's life. You know it's going to be absolutely consistent. You don't have to worry about increased difficulty on hard turns or some random crit um, making the rest of your game really difficult. Right. Well, and so this point here that I'm going to make is um, true for, I think, most of these elite fighters, but I think it's particularly true for the TIE Defender because of that substantial shield count. But, you know, one of the differences between an elite fighter and a battleship, you know, a lot of times they might cost about the same, is, you know, a battleship at half health, you, know, you probably do have some crits on you. So you might be at a slightly reduced capability. An elite fighter, that's not really the case. You really are only taking that critical damage um, when you're close to being knocked out. Yeah, I agree. I think we've uh, talked enough about the defender. We should look at the other elite fighter that the Empire has to offer. Yes, the TIE Phantom. Uh, this one's cool. So this one, um, it's interesting because it, it, it is an elite fighter also. It does feel substantially different from the TIE Defender, even though so many of the categories for it line up. Like it has really high offensive output. Uh, pretty good, pretty good dial and repositioning options. But really it's that, you know, it comes down to that cloak and recloak mechanic paired with that uh, Stygium ship ability that makes this thing feel completely different than just what a, you know, a basic lighter heavy fighter would be. Well, yes, but I think first we do have to talk about the survivability. 
uh, you know, Tie Phantom, five hit points. This is pretty low end for elite fighters. Um, but we have this native cloaking mechanic, so that two agility can go all the way up to four. So in some ways it feels like, you know, the squishiest of elite fighters, but it's also perhaps the most resilient, you know, having four agility. And with that um, Stygium, you know, you can get that evade token um, and keep up the cloak stuff as well. Yeah, cloaking is super good for the Thai Phantom because it does only have two agility. It's the only ship on this list that doesn't have three. Um, I guess that the only trade-off there is, you know, if you are cloaked, you lose your ability to shoot. Um, and the Phantom does have that, you know, native three attack dice gun um, and has access to the force through the gunner slots. You see a lot of people put Fifth Brother upgrade on a Phantom to give them that extra crit modifier. One of the things I think that's so cool about the TIE Phantom is that it's it's really just, it doesn't take a lot to add a ship to make it exceptional. Because if you just took away the cloak-recloak mechanic, the TIE Phantom would just feel like kind of an interesting, offensively focused TIE Fighter. Like, that's what its dial lines up to be. Right, it's like a bad guys. X-Wing at that yeah. point. <laughs> kind of like the TIE Striker category. But just adding that cloak-recloak mechanic makes it feel like this super AC, really interesting mechanically ship. Right, I mean... Obviously, the cloak modifies its stat line to make it really survivable. But also, you know, having that um, lateral movement or, you know, really fast forward jump with the cloak, um, I think that's really the standout factor for the Phantom. It's it's not about its stat line as much as its ability to just always be in the right position. I mean, I you know, that's why uh, people had trouble with the Phantoms like a year ago um, was, you know, they were moving in a way that was really difficult for any player to play a game against. Yeah, it's like so much attention is drawn to the ship when it has four agility because that just seems absurdly high. But the fact that it can move laterally in unexpected ways and your opponent doesn't isn't always able to react to that um, just makes it really hard to track. Honestly, like the cloaking mechanic does is really evocative of what I would imagine cloaking would be in a you know Star Wars dogfight. Well, and you can get super squirrely, too, if you fly the Initiative 4 pilot Echo, because uh, that pilot can decloak with the 2-bank, so it's super weird. Yeah, Echo breaks my brain trying to figure out where that ship is going to go. It's too much. <laughs> Shout out to all the Echo players. That That's too much for me to handle. <laughs> All right, let's switch over to the uh, Rebel Alliance side. Just one elite fighter over here. Uh, one that is has one of the more interesting, I think, ship abilities on here. We're talking about the E-Wing. And this feels like, in a lot of ways, feels like a souped-up X-Wing. It's kind of the next generation of, of that ship. Right. I mean, at face value, this just kind of looks like an X-Wing with three agility, right? You know, it's it's got um, slightly better maneuver options, um, plus some better repositioning actions. Do you feel like if um, Starfighters were Pokemon, it would be like the first stage is the Z-95, the middle stage is the X-Wing, and then the third stage is the E-Wing? Um, I'd subscribe to that, sure. Yeah, my head just is like, where's the T-70? But <laughs> um, yeah. That's like the new Mega Evolution. You have to give it the Resistance Stone. Yeah, you have to give it the Resistance the Stone. <laughs> 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 uh nerds 
E-wings, though, come with a uh, really great, I mean, there's their special trait. Um, aside from the fact that they're just exceptional, they have all the basic actions. They can link into some target locks with some of those. Um, but they have this ship ability where um, you can get your target locks beyond range three, which lets you set things up way in advance, something that you can't really do with other ships, at least without a lot of effort. And that's really good for the E-Wing, too, because you see a lot of people take it with torpedoes. Um, it's not you know always going to take a torpedo, but being able to set up that target lock early you know, and then come in with a double-modded Proton Torp is really powerful. Well, and we've seen just how effective coming in with double-modded shots can be, you know, with some of those Imperial setups um, with a Lambda class, you know. So coming in and having access to both a reroll and some sort of focus modification, even without a torpedo, that's really strong. Yeah, I mean, the experimental scanners there on the E-Wing um, make it play pretty differently though like be that sets the ship up for those kind of hit and run tactics that we kind of see out of an ordnance carrier yeah the game kind of rewards you there for setting a shot up way in advance taking it and then quickly moving out so you can set up another shot yeah the difference here though is that the e-wing is fine doing that without any ordnance i mean torpedoes are great uh e-wings do love firing those torpedoes but they're fine using it for primary attacks as well you know, just set up that target lock focus. We'll just, you know, start that opening exchange with action efficiency, which is, of course, the turn where you need the most action efficiency. The E-Wing also has access to everybody's favorite element of the game of X-Wing, uh, which is regenerating shields through its astromech slot. <laughs> I know that's my favorite element of this game. <laughs> it's really what makes X-Wing X-Wing, I feel like. It's the only way to win games, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's really powerful, and it is kind of almost a distinct um, rebel feel on here. I know other factions can get astromechs too, but it does feel special, any ship that has access to the astromech slot and can take that R2 astromech. Right. I mean, and, you know, the E-Wing is basically just, you know, fancy elite X-Wing. And so, you know, this version of the elite fighter, one of its main unique characteristics is it does have access to that shield regeneration. Um, which, you know, these are the ships that that is kind of the most valuable. You know, these are the most survivable ships. So, you know, each shield is so hard to take off of these ships that when you can bring it back, that's huge. And there's just something really, too, aesthetically pleasing about a ship that every part of its stat line has a three in it. That just feels really <laughs> balanced. As all things should be. As all things should be. You heard it here. The E-Wing is balanced and fair. <laughs> all right. That's enough Rebel talk. Jeez. Let's move on now to Scum. We're, yeah, we're in the part of our show where uh, Carson has to redact a statement he made in a previous episode of the podcast. So, Carson, let's talk about the Oh, Viper. yeah, of course. These are my favorite. <laughs> of course, I was, I was jumping ahead to this, and then I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so in our Interceptor episode, I was unsure on the Star Viper um, and decided that without the Virago, it felt like an Interceptor, and with the Virago title, it felt like an Elite Fighter. And after thinking about it a little more, I think just all of the Star Viper falls under the Elite Fighter category. Um, what really changed my mind was thinking about its dial more. There is hardly any blue on that dial. A lot of options, but not much blue options. Um, and that is really a defining characteristic of an Interceptor. And so that doesn't really apply to the Star Viper. Um, that 
does mean without the Virago, this is on the low end of survivability for an elite fighter with just five hit points uh, backed up by three agility. But with the Virago, you know, um, adding a hit point and then giving you another mod slot to add another hit point, uh, you know, you can take this all the way up to seven hit points. Uh, or, you know, now we're competing with the TIE Defender for hit points. Um, obviously, the Defender can have better green dice modification, but it's also more expensive. <laughs> and I can see how you get confused, too, because, we I mean, when we were looking at Interceptors, we were talking a lot about maneuverability and repositioning, and the Micro Thrusters ability on the Star Viper, where when you take a barrel roll, you use a one bank template instead of a one straight template, does make it feel like you're getting kind of multiple points of repositioning all at once, which feels very Interceptory. Right. Um, but... You know, especially after we start talking about these elite fighters, that micro thruster, you know, does feel like, you know, that's that special thing that this ship does that no other ship does. And so that does feel uh, better to find under our definitions of elite fighter. And when you pair that micro thrusters ability with advanced sensors, which this ship also has access to, um, you know, in hindsight, I think actually a lot of the ships on this list have access to that upgrade, which is super good. Um, but can make it very hard to pin down. <laughs> is this the, the sensor slot <laughs> shift type <laughs> sensors? <laughs> We're discovering it. something about elite fighters while we record the podcast. It's amazing. Yeah, um, they're great. Yeah, I mean, this micro thrusters thing, there is so much you can do with it. Um, you know, that advanced sensor repositioning is so, so good. And uh, honestly, some of the most fun I have playing X-Wing. But what's cool about it is because, you know, there is that limited dial, you know, using that micro thrusters and oftentimes you want to link that and get some modification, but it does have a real cost because you really don't have much blue maneuvers to clear that stress the next turn. And I just really enjoy those constraints on decision-making. Yeah, it feels like you really, like when you have a good turn with it, you've really earned that. The other elite fighter available to the scum faction is the aggressor assault fighter. And this one's cool because it's the only elite fighter on a medium base. Right. Well, and this was originally a large base in first edition. So sometimes this ship doesn't quite feel like a fighter. It feels maybe a little bit more like a battleship, but definitely within second edition, we got more of that fighter feel, you know, it is still just forward facing firing arc. Now we have eight hit points though, with a medium base. That's great. Um, you know, making this definitely the highest hit point of our elite fighters. And it hits all those main points for uh, elite fighter, like the general characteristics. This one's really cool. So the special factor for the aggressor, though, is um, it's how it relates to other ships having the uh, IG-2000 title. Yeah, so there's a few sort of factors kind of in combination for the aggressor. That IG-2000 title is awesome because it's basically saying... You know, you can't talk about this ship without talking about pilot abilities. This is the ship that lets you stack pilot abilities, you know, across your whole team, as long as you just keep taking more aggressors um, or ships with access to that IG-2000 title. Or even with a ship that has access to the IG crew card, because that can also interact with these guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was what I was trying to say and messed up. (laughs) Yeah, so the advanced droid brain is going to give it that extra action efficiency um, you know, that we see across all these elite fighters. They got some sort of linked actions and stuff. 
Um, but the real power is stacking those pilot abilities um, through the IG-2000 title. Yeah, you'll often see, you know, people flying two aggressors in a list, and usually it's, you know, one of the pair is the one that comes with the ability to basically shoot twice. You know, if you shoot with your primary and you miss, you can shoot with a cannon, um, and that's pretty cool. When they've got that advanced droid bane ability, which gives them extra calculate tokens, so you can take multiple shots and have multiple modifiers. Yeah, I mean, B is great. I'm... You know, big personal fan of um, D, which gives you that ability to turn your Segnar's loops um, into Segnar's loops with the three-turn template, uh, which is just a really cool maneuver that just kind of lets you approach the battlefield in kind of a totally different way. Um, just some really awesome things you can do uh, with the hat maneuver. It, sometimes it maybe feels like a talent roll, but um, the rotation of where your firing arc ends up afterwards... That's something truly unique um, to the aggressor. You know, obviously, like C, you know, you boost, you get a free evade, just action efficiency. You know, nothing unique there, but it is still pretty great having that option and stacking that with other aggressor pilots is great. Um, A is, I think, another one of the standout ones, though. You know, just that ability to throw those calculate tokens around. So now you have a lot more flexibility in your actions. Any of your aggressors can be a support ship helping your other aggressors. Yeah, I think IGA is really the one that mechanically is hard to deny it being good. Having the option there to move around your calculate tokens at the start of combat um, just gives you flexibility and lets you react to, you know, even if you're, you're playing against ships that are operating at a higher initiative, lets you react to where they go and helps you make decisions on the fly. And they can take advanced sensors. And they can take advanced sensors. Also great there, yep. So I think, you know, Carson kind of mentioned before that, you know, the the two prequel factions and the Resistance, you know, they don't really have much to offer in terms of elite fighters because they don't have one. Um, so I think we should close it out with uh, the First Order, and they have the last elite fighter on our list. Yeah, the only new faction that is really that important. I'm glad that of all the four, the First Order is the one that actually got the Elite Fighter because it's pretty sweet. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, not much to say about the Silencer. It's just kind of meh. All right. Good episode, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this ship's so good. So this uh, this ship is really the only of our Elite Fighters that has a truly interceptor quality dial. Um, and this was one we actually debated for a little while when we were uh, first talking about it in our Interceptor episode prep, where we were like, well, is the, the ship feels, in a lot of ways, feels a lot like an Interceptor. Um, but after we talked about it for a little while, we really settled in that this is definitely more of an elite fighter, even with that Interceptor quality dial and the auto thrusters ability linking in those reposition actions. Yeah, I mean, this is the one that probably feels the least like it has a special X factor. But I think really it's the combination of the dial and repositioning with that stat line that does make this ship stand out. Like there's nothing fancy, you know, no unique mechanic, um, but it is just like kind of the most powerful like overlap of maneuverability and survivability. Yeah, I think that's really, too, what what separates it a lot from Interceptor is that it's just a lot more survivable with the six hit points, and two of those being shields, like, does so much for it, whereas your typical Interceptor has maybe four or less hit points. 
It's also got access to force charges if you take uh, Kylo Ren, who is a very good pilot in this ship. And that's one of those things where, like, normally I don't like to evaluate the pilots too much in determining the ship type here, but it's almost impossible to separate Kylo Ren from the TIE silencer in your conversations about it because Kylo is such a great pilot for it. Whatever. You guys just have your biases. I talked about the Star Viper without even mentioning Gary, so (laughs) I think you can talk about the silencer without mentioning Kylo. Hey, I like Blackout over Kylo personally, so. (laughs) Blackout's pretty cool, though, yeah. Worth mentioning. You know, I mean, it is, I think it just in general with elite fighters, you know, because it is already such a powerful stat line, when you add the force, that multiplier is just so much more, right? Yeah, these things Each start to get out of hand. on these ships is just so powerful. All right, so there you have it. Uh, we finally finished our series on essential ship types. We've talked about all seven categories ships will fall into. Um, and what a journey it's been. I feel like it's been, it's been a couple months, right? Since we yeah, started this. Hey, um, you know, whatever you got to do to get us through these times. Um, <laughs> you know, as we've ended this, we've talked about all of them. Uh, Tim, John, what are you, what's your favorite ship type? Ooh. Uh, I, I think I have to go with interceptors. I think of the ships I fly, that's like the one that I jive with the most. Um, but I don't know. I really like this category. There's some really fun options in here. Um, you know, a lot of variability, you know, each ship kind of having its own unique feel in the game, um, is something that I really like, but, uh, I do, I do like my, uh, my interceptors. Yeah. For me, I think I'm going to have to go with, I think honestly, light fighters, I've come to love them so much in the game. And I think really what I like about them is the challenge of taking something that's not very expensive and maybe not even that survivable and just squeezing as much value out of it as possible in a game and learning unique ways to use its limited options to help you win games. What about you, Carson? What's your favorite type? Um, I want to just say Interceptor because, you know, going fast is fun. And I like the pressure of the Interceptor over the Elite Fighter where I need to put it in the right spot. Whereas with the elite fighter, if you put it in the wrong spot, you know, it might just still be able to shrug off those attacks. Um, but I also really like the utility ship type. Those clunkers are just, they're pretty fun. <laughs> uh, there's a theres a unique challenge of, you know, trying to find some mobility in those really bad dials. You just like the hawk. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, yeah. Um, no, utility ships are cool. That's a good category. Well, hopefully this uh, series has been enlightening for a lot of people. Now, when you see new ships coming out next wing, you can start going through your mind, looking at the different elements and trying to figure out, all right, where does this ship fall for its faction? Are we going to finally see an elite fighter for the resistance, just like Carson wants? Um, so hopefully it'll give you some language here to talk about new ships coming out. Um, and it's a lot of fun, honestly, to analyze ships and especially when they're kind of hard to identify, figure out where they fall in, in the X-Wing game. Yeah. I had a lot of fun doing this series. I think this is the first like full, you know, kind of ship series that I've done with you guys as like a full-time host. So I had a lot of fun doing these. Yeah. I mean, I love doing these series. It just, you know, gives us a new perspective to look at the game. Um, you know, and, you know, enhances our vocabulary to have these fun conversations, right? Guys, you know what? I think I'm going to change what my favorite ship type is. Good. Because Light Fighter was a garbage answer. You know what it is? 
advanced sensors? Sportsmanship. <laughs> okay. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving this show a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to all of our current supporters. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this series and uh, can look forward to when we figure out what our next series is going to be. Until then, we'll talk to you next week. 